Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Father, we're so grateful tonight. We're so thankful for all your blessings, for your goodness. And Father, we've come here tonight to celebrate all the goodness of this year, all you've done for us. We've come to honor that, to regard that. And Father, we're not forgetful, but we remember all the wonderful things you've done this year, and we honor you for that. We glorify you. We magnify you. And we've also come to release our faith for where we're headed. And we thank you that your plan is great. Because everything that comes out of you is great. And so we thank you for the greatness of your plan for 2024. And we've come to bring our faith and we say we agree. So be it done unto us according to your word. And we honor you. We thank you for your goodness. And we're expecting. We're expecting great things. And we thank you and we glorify you and magnify you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you, choir. Hallelujah. How many of you say the Lord is good? He's good to me all the time. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you can turn around to four or five people tonight. Give them a great big God bless you. Then you can be seated. Hallelujah. Good evening, everyone. Happy New Year. I trust you had a good Christmas. Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah. Some of you. Who who had a good Christmas? Yeah. And who's going to have a great new year? All year. Not just like tomorrow. All year. All year. Yeah, right. Hallelujah. And uh, we're expecting. I said we're expecting. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's just lift up our hands and worship him a a moment further. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. We magnify you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness. Is is there a microphone down here? Yeah, it's under your chair, Morgan. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. We magnify you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Pastor Noel, come up here if you would. Just whatever you have on your heart. <clears throat> just whatever's in your spirit to do. Yeah. 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 Oh, you ain't saying nothing yet. Yeah. You see the tip of the increase. But greater increase is coming. Oh, greater glory. Greater glory. Greater increase and greater glory. Yeah. Mm. Moving up higher. Moving up on the things of God. The manifestation of his word. Oh, word. The word. The word. Oh, the greater glory. Oh, my. Oh, my. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, uh. Hey, yes, Lord. This is the year of manifestation. A year of greater manifestation. Yeah, mm, the, the greater, greater increase. Oh, in miracles. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. Uh, 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 the miracle crusades. Yeah. Oh, oh my. Even, even next week. Oh, my. Oh, the greater, great, greater miracles. Greater manifestation. Healings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, ah, oh, whoa. Ah, oh, oh, God. Okay. Ah, ah let God hear rejo your rejoicing. Heaven yeah. is waiting for your rejoicing. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my. Angels are waiting. Oh, angels. Oh, manifestation. Oh, greater manifestation. Greater manifestation. Oh, greater manifestation. Oh, greater increase. Greater increase. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, how many of you know when he talks about greater manifestations increase, and then he, spe he specifies miracles in the services and things. How many of you know that God works miracles in the services to show you what your daily life can look like? It's not for the building only. It's for your life. Amen. So don't just think that he's referring to ministry moments. Amen. Release your faith for it. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you. How many of you say, I take it? I take it. Manifestations, manifestations increase. Expecting, expecting. How many of you know faith is expecting something? Amen. Turn with me if you would tonight. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. I will not keep you till midnight. No, I'm not even keeping myself up till midnight. I can release my faith. Before midnight, as well as I can at the midnight hour. Amen. And, uh, and then we're going to have a time of fellowship over in the Hagen building next door afterwards. So we want you to stay around and enjoy the family and enjoy this time together. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, what does... 2024 hold for us as a church family, as a congregation. God began dealing with me about this, uh, my, 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 uh, well, around a month ago. So Isaiah 40, 31, he brought this verse to me, Isaiah 40 and verse 31. The King James translation says, but they that Wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is not just poetic license here. This is God's flow that he's offering us. This is not just something that people clip as one of their favorite verses. This is a flow that belongs to us. I want you to see this word renew. In the Hebrew, it means exchange, but they that wait upon the Lord, shall there shall be a divine exchange happen. 
and there will be a divine exchange of strength that will happen. When we talk about the strength of God and believing for the strength of God, it's not just him blessing our human strength. It's not just him touching human strength and causing it to endure longer. The Lord is the strength of my life. It's his strength. It's not him energizing human strength. It's divine strength imparted. So they that wait upon the Lord shall have a divine exchange happen. There will be the strength of God that will come in and it will elevate everything. Bring me down a little in the house. Bring me down a little in the house. It will elevate everything. I don't want to get out really uh, ahead of myself. Um, I want to read it out of the Amplified Classic Translation. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. Notice this. Those who expect, look, look for, and hope in him. So where is all this directed at? In him. Him. No wonder they that wait upon him. So we can't say, well, I'm hoping, I'm expecting, and I'm looking, but no time with him. Because it's in, 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 in time with him that the looking, the expecting, the hoping gets fulfilled. Amen. Uh, it says, they shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. This is really describing life in the spirit. This is really talking about the flow of those who are walking in the spirit. Amen. How many of you know that's not just for preachers? That's for every believer. The emphasis of the New Testament is life in the Spirit. You know, God said something to me. Maybe I'm, I'm just slow in getting some stuff or something. Because I was talking to God about some things. I said, there's some things that I would like to be different about. You know, don't you look at somebody and go, yeah, like that. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I always admired my husband. How did, how do humans open their eyes in the morning and the moment their eyelids go up, their feet are on the floor? How does that happen? I'm, I, I didn't know that was possible. But every day, the moment his eyes opened, his feet were on the floor at the same time and he was moving. And I go, that's impressive because I'm trying to find my eyes to push them open. I'm working on that. I, I, I appreciated how he would just jump out of bed and he, and I understand, I understand everyone's different. Don't, don't, don't stay with me here a minute. And I appreciated his pace. His pace was 
turbo. He had a Hemi engine. I don't know what that is, but I just saw it on a commercial. I don't even know if they still have that word out there. Do they have that? Okay. And, and I didn't quite have that, but he sped me up and I slowed him down long enough to enjoy the view so that it didn't just zoom by and he didn't even see it, you know? So we helped each other in that aspect. And I, I, I remember I said to God, uh, I recently, I said to him, I said, you know, there are some things that uh, it would be easier for me if I was just wired different, you know, because there's inborn natural temperaments, right? There's inborn things that are, are, are part of our natural side that make up the color of our lives, how we approach things. And I said, you know, just some things that I would like to be different about me. I just wish I was wired a little different. And God said something to me. He said, old things are passed away. All things are become new. You as a new creature, you choose. You choose. You are no longer sentenced to live by what was inborn characteristics because the new creature is master. He chooses. And then it landed in me what this one minister, I heard him say this said it several years ago, and that's, and I, I remembered the statement, but it landed in me when God said this to me, a new creature chooses everything of their life. The new creature. If we're going to live natural, if we're going to live dominated by the flesh or by the mind, the mind and the flesh has already chosen some things. You're going to be sentenced to your inborn characteristics, but now we have God-born nature to trump the choice of our flesh and our mind. It just depends on which flow we're going to live out of. And he said, if you want to live like a new creature, choose like a new creature. He's, Dad Hagen used to say this to, to ministers, your words are tripping you up. Your words are tripping you up. Why? The new creature lives by words. It doesn't live by inborn traits. It doesn't, it's not governed by inborn characteristics of your mama and your daddy. We, have, we are a new creature in Christ, and we live as master. We choose. We choose. And that stood out to me then what this minister said years ago. Somebody asked him, are you a morning person or are you an evening person? He says, I am what I choose to be. And he said this, I am what I need to be. What was he saying? A new creature, we're master. We're master. We're not sentenced to live by what was born into our flesh. We choose. The life of the believer is a life of choice, not a life of chance. It's a life of choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Amen. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose. The new creature, one of the greatest privileges of being a new creature in Christ is your choice is restored to you. Your choice is restored. 
those who are not saved, those who are not born again, they are pushed around. Their flesh is choosing for them. Their, their minds are choosing for them, but their hearts are getting trampled. And that's one of the outstanding features and privileges of the new creature is I choose the way my life looks. I choose what, what um, I, the thing is, it's choosing based on who he is in you. It's not you looking out and seeing, I want to be like them. No, it's I'm like the plan. I'm like the plan of God for my life. And everything the plan calls for, I choose in my daily life to fulfill everything. So what is called for in my flesh, I choose it to fulfill the plan. You say, I don't, I don't know if I buy that. That's because that's you probably don't have children yet then. Because you can say I'm a night person until your baby wakes up at six and says, good morning. And all of a sudden, people's whole days and everything shifts because a baby chose. A baby chose to wake up and the whole household went after that choice and started moving based on the baby choice that day. Is that not right? Well, I'm just not a morning person. You are today. At 6 a.m. when that baby said, I'm up, and you're feeding me, and you're changing me, and life begins, and there you go. It's all, all of a sudden we realize, oh, I can trump my flesh. <laughs> so in 2024, choose. Quit, quit giving our, we, we've got to quit giving ourselves the excuse that's the way I was raised. It's all I've, I've ever been taught. I've never, choose. Choose. The new creature lives the life he chooses. Amen. Well, I'm just awkward around people. Choose. Choose. You know, I just, I just have a hard time with this. Choose. Choose. By not choosing, you are choosing. You're choosing to let inborn natural flows determine the direction of your life. Praise the Lord. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Many of you did not realize you got the great, great gift of choice when you got born again. Well, you know, I can't help it. You know, I just have an anger issue. Choose. Well, I'm just a depressed person. Choose. Your choice trumps everything. The new creature in Christ is a, is a person of choice. And we are living the life we're choosing. And not choosing against the wrong flow is choosing. Amen. I'm not saying that you can't carry a tune in a bucket, but now you want to be a singing star and you're going to choose and make the rest of us suffer at your choice. I'm not talking about this fairyland stuff, this unsound mind stuff. Don't, don't, don't assign what I'm saying to that. 
I'm talking about the new creature in Christ. That when you have something in your heart, every choice of yours is to fulfill what's in your heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Instead of living how you were told. You can't do this. Well, that might be their choice, but don't let someone else's choice be adopted as your choice. Renew the mind because old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now they're waiting for your choice. Everything is new, clean slate. Now you choose. Now you choose. Now you choose. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. But again, verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew or exchange their strength. So he's letting us know we can live this life with our strength or we can live it with his. And I'm not talking about him just blessing our strength because he can do that, but he offers us more than that. I remember when I was Miss Oklahoma and my, the schedule was brutal, brutal. I would have, I loved every, every day of it, but it was brutal. And you know, before you were, the, the, the day before you won, your day was yours. The day, the moment you win for a year, you're not yours. You instantly they take you and they already have your whole schedule mapped out for a year. Regardless of who won, this is your schedule. And it was two to three appearances every day there in the state. And you, you just drove, you crisscrossed the state the whole, the whole time. I mean, I would get up in the morning, make a four-hour drive, have an eight-hour, ten-hour appearance, make a four-hour drive home, get up the next one, and just do it all over again. And just go from, it was, it was a full, full schedule. I had a uh, precious, precious chaperone. They gave me a, a car. Um, she didn't like driving the car. She was an older woman. So I had a chaperone, but I also did all the driving. <laughs> and she was an older woman, and we had a great time together, but she was, not, she was a nervous driver, and nervous drivers need to let other people drive <laughs> until they make a right choice. And... <laughs> And so anyway, so uh, it was a brutal schedule and she lived with me. I mean, I didn't go anywhere if I went for, if I had an appearance and I went into the restroom, she went in the restroom. There was no such thing as being alone. There was no such thing. And um, for some reason I had, I got up one day and she was not going to make this trip with me, which was quite unheard of. And I had a four-hour drive. And I mean, I'm getting in at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm getting up at 6. You've got to dress and you've got to get ready for the day. Your hair is concrete. You understand? You spray it so much because you're in parade. You're on stage. You're doing TV work. You're meeting with groups. It's it, every day. And you don't have any time. The way you fix it that day, you're wearing it all day. There's no such thing as going aside and redo. So everything got fixed. You know, and so you had to get up early to fix it all. And I, I had long hair back then, believe it or not. And so uh, I, uh, I would get a couple of hours of sleep a night. And that was just the, the, the schedule. I got in the car this day that she wasn't there. 
and I was driving out of Tulsa, and before I even get out of city limits, I wake up, and I'm driving, headed for the ditch, and I go, ah, oh, geez. I said, I've got a four-hour drive, an eight-hour appearance, a four-hour drive back. I don't know how I'll make this drive. And I said, God, I need divine help. And the moment I said that, I felt a finger touch me in the head. My head flung back. I'm driving. And my head popped back. And, and the, when it popped back up, I was completely refreshed. That was not the strength of God. That was him blessing my strength. But I'm not, and, and went completely refreshed. It was like I had slept for two weeks. Went, drove the four hours, had an eight-hour appearance. I'm driving four hours back, and I thought, oh, my gosh. I don't think I can get to sleep tonight because I was so refreshed. The moment my head hit the pillow, I'm asleep. And then I was, and that happened, that happened again during my year just because it wasn't because of neglect, staying up late and watching movies. See, that, he doesn't help that. It was because I was carrying out responsibilities and he blessed my strength. But this is not what he's talking about here. Amen. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange. Exchange. God's strength will become their strength. If you say, I always have sleeping troubles, that's your choice. You say, I have nervous problems, choose it. That's your choice. The way you think is, the, is what you're choosing. Amen. And people are waiting for God to do something, and he's, he'll back up your choice if you mean it. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew, exchange their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As I said before, this is really talking about walking, walking in the Spirit, a life in the Spirit. It's telling us how to do that. Because that is what every believer is offered, a life in a higher flow. A life that is not dominated by your feelings, a life that's not dominated by your flesh, your inborn natural characteristics and charm or the lack thereof. You're not dominated just by that mental arena pushing you around. It's by choosing. Your spirit is master. Your mind is to be your servant, serving what your spirit commands. And your body is to be your slave, carrying out what you command it to do. But many people are living with their body as master, their mind as master, and it's not qualified to be master. And that's why they struggle. That's why so many Christians are tormented, have difficulty, because their mind is their master. Their flesh is their master, pushing them around. Because that's what they've allowed. But God has made their spirit master, but we have to become skillful. 
at our spirits being master. You say, well, I don't know how, how do I do what you're talking about? You turn to your spirit instead of to your mind. You turn to your spirit instead of to your flesh. You, what's the word say about this? The word is governing the master of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this walk in the spirit is, is our spirits taking lead in our life. How does your spirit take the lead? You have to turn toward it. What you turn toward is what's going to go in the lead. Your mind is not to be an enemy. God gave you your mind. But if the mind is allowed to be master, it will work against you and abort the plan of God. Because God did not equip the mind to be in the lead. It doesn't have the stuff to lead your life in, in the plan of God. It doesn't. Your body does not have the stuff to lead your life into the plan of God. Only your spirit is qualified. Why? Because that's the feature of you that's made in his image. It's equipped to lead your life into the plan of God. Amen. Now, We've already been raised. And now see, every Old Testament scripture, when you read Old Testament, you have to run it through New Testament. What's the New Testament say? Why? Because we're under a better covenant. And I know this, we have been raised and seated with Christ. That's our seat of authority stems from there. It's a shared seat with him. He has shared his authority, made it ours. His name, he's made it ours. All the privileges of being in him. It's a shared seat of authority. We've been raised and seated with Christ. But this verse in Isaiah tells us how to have it every day. How to be in that flow of the raised seat every day. Because many, we know this, we've been raised and seated with Christ, but not conducting life from there. Well, praise the Lord. Now, the last day revival. You're all part of it. God included you in. Don't treat it lightly. Don't think that it's not, it's not something that pertains to you. You know, it's kind of like um, people who think, people who haven't voted or something, because they say, oh, I, I, don't, I don't really have an interest in that. You know, the only thing is, is that when upheaval came, all of a sudden you felt the effects of who was in office. And all of a sudden it did apply to you, right? People have that same idea about revival. They think it only applies to the preachers. But when it gets up and going, I mean, we're in it. But when, it, when the father's harvest, the, the harvest that belongs to him starts coming into the barn, brother, it's going to be a ride. Amen. And there's a pace to the plan of God. The plan of God calls for running and walking. It calls for both running and walking. The plan of God for your life. Um, we know this toward the end when somebody is going to have a big elaborate wedding. My husband and I, we eloped. So we only had to get us there. <laughs> and one of us almost didn't, you know. <laughs> But when you have a big elaborate wedding, what you, you might start a year, year and a half in advance, 
If you didn't get it done, checked off of that wedding planner book, you know, that they lay out at, you know, at a year and a half, secure your venue, all this stuff. If you didn't do it at a year and a half, no problem. You know, at a year, you can still, you can still do it. And there, but you know, two weeks before you, you got problems. Yes. It's because of the shortness of time, the pace of everything around that event changes. Yes. And what you did not, what you did not do way back when you could have now it becomes some things you just have to drop. You have to let go of because you, you don't have the time. What am I saying? The closer events come, the quicker the pace. The pace changes. What about having babies? See, what about having babies? What is all this stuff? Uh, you, you know, you got time to pick out colors for rooms. You got time to pick out names. You got time to do all this stuff. But when, you, when it's like... You know, childbirth pains, it's like, oh, shoot, we should have done, maybe we should have done this, or maybe, you know, right? The pace changes depending how close the event is. I want you to know that there's a pace in the body of Christ that we're going to have to keep up, and it's not just the preachers, it's the family, the church families keeping pace. Amen. What is the pace of the last days they shall run? They shall run. Why? Not time to walk when it's harvest time. Not, not when it's about the Father's plan and the Father's harvest being reaped. There may be measure of walking, but what's listed first is running. Amen. Um, there's only one way to run that pace. And that pace not be your undoing. Um, you ever seen a marathon runner? They aren't just running that distance the day of the race. They have been running that way. They've been, they've been learning how to govern everything about their bodies from the, from the start to midway through to the end there. It's all about pace. It's all about breathing. It's all about stop the refreshment table going by and grabbing some it's there's all these other components because they have to learn to skillfully keep that pace and the body not come apart. Have you ever seen, I've seen people that they ran a marathon, but like the next day, they're, everybody's gone home and somebody, they're, they're dragging and they're just walking like this and somebody comes up and helps them across or some crawl. I've seen, I've seen videos of people crawling across. That, that's wrong flow, wrong flow. That's not the flow I'm talking about. That's not, I'm talking about being so skillful at running that the pace refreshes us instead of undoes us. Amen. So I want you to look, look, at, look here at the verse again. But they that wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength. See the order? Ex- this is the first thing. They that wait upon the Lord. Number two, what's going to happen? A divine exchange of strength. Number three, then they mount up. What does that mean? They mount up into another pace. They come up into another flow. They come up into the flow that divine strength made available to them. Human strength, there's a flow that human strength can't have. 
but divine strength can have. Amen. So uh, there's only one way to run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. It's to mount up. And how do you mount up? They that wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. Amen. What's waiting on the Lord? Ministering to him. Waiting on the Lord is not being, okay, God, I'm waiting on you to fulfill this. I'm I'm, I'm waiting on you to manifest my miracle. No, that's not waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is taking time to minister to the Lord. And those who take time to minister to him, there's a harvest of ministering back to them. And what is the harvest? Divine strength. There's an exchange that happens and then you get up from that place and now you're moving with God's divine ability. Amen. So that means we aren't running on the low level of the natural realm. The natural realm is the realm where all tiredness comes from. When people are living tired, now we know what flow we're living in. Because His flow doesn't produce tiredness because they run and they're not weary. There's no weariness in his strength. There's no weariness in his flow. There's no weariness in the walk of the spirit. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you don't have to sleep. I'm talking about the flow of your everyday life that you choose the highest flow. How do you choose By ministering to him. Ministering to him has to become a daily choice. Because if we don't take time to minister to him, then we have to wear our strength all day long. But if we'll take time to minister to him, we start we become clothed with his strength. And you say, Well, I'm just gonna confess it. This this doesn't come by confession. This comes by the doing. I remember something uh, Brother Hagen said years ago. He said, so many ministers are living tired. They say they're burned out. He said, that's because they're living natural. They're living natural. They're living low. And he said, they're not taking care of their bodies because they're running off the strength of their body only. And so they're not taking care of their bodies. They're not resting properly because he would talk about, take care of your body. You're still mortal. You have a mortal body. It's not to lead your life, but you still have a mortal body. And so you do have to properly take care of the body. And he said, but these preachers that don't take care of their bodies. And he said, and then things start falling apart in their life. Um, He said, you can't just put them to bed and let them sleep and get to this place. This place is only occupied You come through by waiting on him. That tiredness and weariness only comes from choosing a higher flow that has no weariness in it. Amen. So what's he saying? You just can't sleep, sleep, sleep and get enough strength to run a divine race. Divine races call for divine strength. Amen. There is no weariness in God's flow. Nothing is more tiresome 
and wearisome than living out of your mind. Everything is mental. Everything is governed by what you can figure out, calculate. There's nothing more tiring than to live on the mental level because the mind's not equipped to lead. Um, hallelujah. I want to read... Well, let me just say this. For those who don't learn this art of waiting on the Lord and don't choose it for their life, they won't be able to keep the pace of the last days. I was reading something. uh, I had taken a note of something that John Osteen said. He said, those who make it in the last days, he's talking to the church, are those who've learned to follow the Spirit. Without Without learning to follow the Spirit, they won't, they won't arrive at the success God offers. Can't have it. Because it's only by the Spirit. All of this is part of waiting on the Lord. I want to read something. Um, a letter that George Mueller wrote to Hudson Taylor. George Mueller, a minister, Bristol, England, in the 1800s. He's born 1805, died Uh, He lived, I think, 91, 92 years, died right before the turn of the century. He was writing a a letter. He he was the one that had the orphanages. At the time of his death, there were 25 orphans under his care, only supported by his faith. Um, He was writing a letter to Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to inland China. And uh, through his ministry, hundreds and hundreds of missionaries for the first time went into the inland areas of China and um, went over completely by faith. He had no, uh, if I could say this, organization supporting him. He started that way and they, it didn't work. And so he ended up just by faith over there. And George Mueller wrote this to him. He said... I have in my own experience found it of the utmost moment to make the care about my own soul the chief, biz- the chief business of my life. Abundant as my work is, so much so that if I had strength to work 24 hours every day, I would not accomplish everything that's ready for my hands to do. My, my, it's ready for my feet and my head and my heart. Yet with all this, I consider my first business to be and my primary business day by day to get blessing for my own soul, food for my own soul, to be happy in the Lord, and then to work, and then to work with all diligence. Now in your case, with all the many millions of idolaters around you, the temptation is to be overpowered by the immense quantity of work to be done to the not minding sufficiently your own soul. But this would only lead to loss. No amount of work can make up for the neglect of meditation in the Holy Scriptures and for the neglect of prayer. Moreover, it is not the amount of work we do at which our Heavenly Father looks, but the spirit in which which we do it in. Could we not say this, the flow we're in? Mueller goes on and he says, now this right state of heart, which we need for this, 
we can only enjoy by seeking to feed our own soul through meditation on the Holy Scriptures. We should therefore habitually and prayerfully as much as possible in the early part of the day read with meditation the Holy Scriptures and seek with reference to our own individual necessities to enter into what we read. There is great temptations for preachers of the gospel to read the Holy Scriptures with reference to others and to neglect of their own souls. This is greatly to be guarded against for if we read the scriptures not with reference to our own souls, primarily we will lose the blessing which God meant to convey thereby to our hearts. Charles Spurgeon, who was a Baptist preacher, 1800s, he preached face to face to 100,000 people. Now see, that's before social media. I mean, he had the, he had the ear of the nation. And he went to hear George Mueller preach in Bristol, England. And he said this. He said, I've never heard such a heavenly message this side of earth. Wow. Why is that? Because what Mueller was talking about, he lived. Uh -huh. yes. What he wrote to Hudson Taylor and uh, Charles Spurgeon said about him. He said, when I got around Mueller, he said, I felt like I was around Enoch. I sensed a man who walked with God. And he said, I'd never been around a man like that before. What was that? Time with God. Yes. Now, I'm not talking about large quantities of time. I'm talking about time. Yes. Because some people dismiss themselves. I don't have time. Do you have time for him? Yes. Do you have time to fail? Do you have time to lose your business, lose your home, and try to recover? Lose your marriage. The marriage fall apart. The children go wayward. Do we have time for failure? We don't. But God offers us. There's a place where divine success flows from, and it's they that wait upon the Lord. We can wait on him, ministering to him. We wait upon him in the word being in the word, meditating on his word, but it's a communion. It's not a checking off of the to-do list of our day. It's like if you walked by, ladies, and you saw on your husband's planner, tell your wife you love her today, and it's checked, and you go, what about this? Could you not think of this on your own? This is not a duty to check off. It's a flow to choose. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, the more we spend time with God, it will bring us into his flow. And I will say this, his flow is a reverent flow. There's something about God that mm, you can't be with him and become more carnal. You get with him, you become more reverent. Yes. Then don't think of reverence as being boring. Don't think of reverence as being religious. It's an awareness of who we're dealing with. Amen. Uh, the more godless society becomes, the more irreverent toward all things they become. The problem is that gets in the church. Why does that get in the church? Lack of Isaiah 40. 
Brother Hagan made this statement. When reverence and honor are restored. Now he's talking to the body of Christ. When reverence and honor are restored. What's he telling us? It's lost. When reverence and honor are restored. There will be a restoration and multiplication of the miraculous power of God. See, we can sing about miracles and want miracles and teach about miracles. But if we don't do something in our individual lives that facilitate. Because a congregation can't go further than the individuals in the congregation. So to bring this flow to the church, we have to bring it to our lives. Amen. And we are. And we're learning. But we have to pay attention to ourselves. Amen. Um, In this statement that Dad Hagen makes. Let me read it again. When reverence and honor are restored, there will be a restoration and multiplication of the miraculous power of God. Meaning this, we can't bypass reverence and say we'll take miracles. The The road to miracles is reverence. Um, you've heard me state it that Dima Shikarian, who was head of the full gospel businessmen, that, that revival that happened during the seventies among businessmen, not, it wasn't preachers necessarily, businessmen. He made this statement because he was very close to Catherine Kuhlman. He said her fellowship with God made it easy for others to receive their miracle. Isn't that what Jesus was? His fellowship with his father. And he would go. The word tells us his habit. He would go to an alone place. Before day. And what would he do? Time in the father's presence. He would hear and he would see. He would hear from the father. He would see what the father had for him. And he would just go walk out what he heard and saw in that day. And he got it from his father being in the presence. And he, it came out of his place of fellowship. Those miracles came out of fellowship. Amen. And that's the flow God invites us to. That we have miracles every day. Not waiting for power to come. But we step into the flow where power is. Amen. So when Brother Hagen makes his statement. When... When honor and reverence are restored, there will be a restoration. He's talking about an atmosphere. And he's talking about an attitude. In our rejoicing and praising God, don't ever make it a game. Don't ever make it a joke. Take it home and joke it. And make light of it. Of what goes on in a Holy Ghost serve. Don't treat it. Like mocking. Amen. It matters that we carry the right attitude about any flow that God is initiating here. Amen. So when we talk about restoration, we're talking about the body of Christ. We're talking about the local church. And we're also talking about the individual. A restoration of occupying that place of ministering to the Lord. That it, it's, it's really, if I could say this, if we're not careful, it becomes a lost art in the church of what it means to minister to the Lord, to wait on the Lord. And then we're, we become needy because we're not in the flow where 
He's meeting us privately so we come to places and we're trying to find to get our needs met because at home we're, we're not aware of what he already offers us individually. Amen. I'm not saying when we come together, we shouldn't receive. I'm just saying, let's not credit all of our receiving to public gatherings when we should learn how to step into that flow at home. Amen. Um, let's go back to Isaiah 40, 31. Let's see this. Isaiah 40, 31. The Amplified, again, I want to read that. But those who wait for the Lord. What's that mean? They're waiting for him to open up things instead of them kicking, up, kicking things open. You, you can try to make some things happen, but the damage you'll do. Sometimes it's irreparable. Trying to force your way into some things that God has for your life. You wait for him to open it up. Yet you have to move with him. But he still is the one. We wait before him and he takes us into places. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God. Uh, what is this lift their wings? Well, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You go in line with how you think. Um, I, I would say this. It says as, as, as an eagle mounts up. How does an eagle mount up? They shift. There's a shift of the wings. There's a shift. How do we mount up? We shift our tension. We shift what we're looking at. We, we shift from the natural level to the supernatural flow that he offers us. Because what I'm talking about should not sound odd. It should be the place we learn to occupy. Amen. So we mount up. What about a shift in our thinking? Shifting in the thought life. As we spend time in his presence, we start this gets touched. <laughs> this gets touched. Spending time in the word, but just spending time in his presence, this gets touched. Amen. I know this. Let me just, let me just say what I know. <laughs> let me just say, because I would like for you to know it before I found it out. Um, I, and say, I don't want it to take you as long as it took me. If I'm troubled, it's because I'm living low. If my mind is harassed, if my finances are troubled, if my health is troubled, if my marriage is troubled, if my business is troubled, it's for one reason. I'm living too low. I'm living in the flow where troubling happens. I'm occupied with the flow where troubling happens. And I have said to God, 
I said, God, I've been casting down thoughts and casting down thoughts and casting down thoughts. This is the problem. I'm too accessible to them. I'm too accessible. Too accessible. And when I'm accessible, they take access. I know this when my mind is, I'm having to just cast down thoughts, cast down thoughts, cast down thoughts. It's because I'm choosing the lower flow. You're welcome. This waiting on the Lord is the mounting up. Out of this lower flow. I'm not saying that as a Christian, things leave you alone. I'm saying that we're offered a higher place to occupy. That those circumstances that happen around our life are not nipping at our heels. Because we're above. We're above and not beneath. We're in front, not behind. If you're worried, you're living low. If you're in, dominated by fear, living low. You're welcome. What's that mean? God offers us something higher. Isaiah 40, 31 is telling us exactly how. Occupied with him. Time in his presence. Ministering to him instead of ministering to this worry. Ministering to fear. Ministering to depression. Ministering to family strife. Ministering to it by engaging in it. The flow you contribute to is the flow you're going to live in. You contribute to strife, that's your flow. Strife in the home. Saying whatever I think, whatever I want to think, bless God, I got my rights in my home. But the thing is, God offers us something that won't trouble our life. And there's nothing more wearisome than being in that lower flow. Mentally tired. Just mentally tired. Trying to figure out finances. How to hold all the ends together. I'm telling us how to leave that flow. Isaiah 40, 31 is it. I mean, to take it down into one verse. That's how. We have been raised and seated with Christ, but people aren't living that flow. We can. I'm saying, recognize what flow you've been okay with. Now, not low life, high life. Amen. Not troubled flow, peace flow. Um... Well, let me read this before I say that. Psalm 91, verse 7. Psalm 91, verse 7. I'm going to read out the Amplified Classic. If you have that on the device, pull that up. Psalm 91, verse 7. Amplified Classic. Now, you do know Psalm 91 is not simply a confession chapter. Um, Psalm 91, starting with verse one is telling us our place to take. Isn't that right? So people will confess the chapter, but it only works because you did verse one and two. Amen. So then we get down to verse seven. 
And it says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Why, they that dwell in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What's that come? They come to a different flow. They come into a higher place. And in that place, a thousand will fall at your right, at your side and 10,000 at your, but it's not going to come near you. Why? You're above it. You're above it. How did you, you can't get above it by confessing it. You get above it by waiting in the presence, uh, waiting, ministering to the Lord. You cannot, as faith people, we cannot confess our way into this place. We take our place. And that is going to involve some on purpose time. Not long segments of time, but I will say this, the more we do it and the more skillful we are at stepping into that flow, we can get in it quicker and quicker and quicker. Amen. You understand what I mean by that? Verse seven again, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only a spectator shall you be yourself inaccessible. Inaccessible. Where are you inaccessible? In the secret place of the Most High. What's that? Waiting upon the Lord. You mounted up and then you left that place in the morning when you were spending time with God and you occupied that attitude. And you carried that place with you as you went. You didn't leave it in the room at home. This is part of the skill of, of that flow. It's not just stepping in. And you know what I'm talking about. Because we come together and you can sense the presence of God. And I've decided I'm not okay with living without that. Not okay with it any. Not okay with it anymore. Not okay with it. I refuse to get a taste of what I can't live in. God's not giving us a taste of, look what you don't get to live in all day. You just get it at church time. That's not what, that's not, that's not, that's not the way he offers it to us. So verse eight, only a spectator shall you be yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the most high as you witness the reward of the wicked. The reward of the wicked is all around you. It's not your flow. It's not your flow. It's not your flow. Quit listening to things that people accept in this life and think that you have to have it. I just get so aggravated at commercials, I don't watch them anymore, but just commercials. Ask your doctor if you need Zuma Huma Chuchu. What is that? They don't even tell you what it's for. They just say, ask your doctor about it. Why? That, that advertising evidently works. Because so many people think that they have to have that kind of flow. Only a spectator shall you be. Look at this. As you witness the reward of the wicked. What you see going on in the world, that's not my reward. That's not my reward. I didn't sow for that. I'm not believing for that. I'm not buying into that. Our redemption does not have an expiration date as you age. This redemption is not a youth redemption. It's only for the youth. 
I don't know. Some of you mighty quiet. I don't. That's the reward of the wicked. Diseases, those things that are so treacherous on humanity, the reward of the wicked. I didn't sow for that. I'm not reaping that. That's not my harvest, and I'm not letting that harvest in my house. Amen. I'm inaccessible. Why? Verse 9, because you made. Because you have made. Not he made you. You, ch- you chose. You, took a, you made a choice. And you made the Lord your refuge and the most high your dwelling place. There shall no evil befall you nor any plague come nigh in your tent. So basically, it's based on our choice again. It's going back to our choice. Amen. That's why the day Ed was diagnosed with cancer and the doctor said two years tops. I got in the car as we walked out of that office. Ed was in his own car. I was in a separate car. Before I even pulled out of that parking lot, I said, I'm choosing my flow. I will not. I will not. I said, God, you know what the devil could tell me. You know what my mind could come up with. And I say, I, I consecrate myself to not go there. And I tell you, I sat in there and I worshiped and I worshiped. I didn't quote healing scriptures. I didn't pray healing, healing prayers for my husband. I chose my flow. I chose my flow. You get that? When circumstances come, it demands a choice out of you. And to not choose is to choose. And I got home. Ed had gotten home about 10 minutes earlier. Of course, he's faster on everything. (laughs) But the reason he got home earlier, because I didn't leave that parking lot till I stepped into that flow. What? I'm not, I'm, I'm getting in the peace flow. I'm getting in the joy flow. What is that? The flow of the spirit. I'm going here instead of driving home with my, my head banging on me. Now, about three weeks before that happened, God spoke to me and said, you're getting ready to face the biggest test you've ever faced. Before I left the parking lot, I just sat and worshiped. I just, what? I'm choosing him. I'm choosing where I look. I'm choosing where my attention goes. And by doing that, like a blanket dropped over me, a piece, it was tangible. I couldn't have worried if I tried. Why? That place carries no worry. There's no worry in that place. I didn't have to fight to stay out of worry. I I chose to step into that place and that place, that place protected me from worry. You understand that? So I I got home and Ed said, I've already got the answer. As soon as I walked in the door, I said, what are you talking about? He said, when I got home, I said to God, I said, I missed it somewhere. Where did I miss it? And he told me two things where I missed it. He says, I repented. And God said, okay, within 30 days, it'll all be gone. Day 28, he went back. It was all gone. Why? We chose our flow. We chose. I did not start, I did not start quoting healing scriptures. I'm not against healing scriptures, but saying healing scriptures from a low flow will not produce power. Choose his presence. Choose him. 
Choose worshiping him. Choose waiting on him. Choose the flow and then your faith soars. Your faith isn't a, a, a stop and start. You're not struggling with your faith because in his presence, your faith flows easily. Does that make sense to you? That's why when Ed went home to be with the Lord, I chose my flow that day. That's why for weeks, all I did was worship. I worshiped and I worshiped. Why? I was making myself inaccessible to sorrow and grief. We can be accessible or inaccessible to the low flow. Now, if we will make ourselves inaccessible to the flow of the natural, the flow of this world, the flow of defeat, then we're making ourselves accessible to God's flow. Accessible to what he has to say to us. Amen? Don't let circumstances choose your flow. You can't, you can't, you don't determine what circumstances show up in your life. You just determine what flow you choose in the face of circumstances. And the flow you choose determines the outcome of those circumstances. Praise the Lord. It's, it's like when uh, Pastor David Oyedipo in, in Africa what? Largest church in the world? One of the students asked him in his Bible school, uh, because his, his voice is large in the body of Christ, said, I, I can imagine all the opposition you have faced because of the position you, you hold. And he said, I guess I have faced a lot. I just haven't noticed. Why? He already chose his flow. Yeah. I'm just saying if you're troubled, you're invited up. And it takes skill. You have to practice it. I said you have to practice it. I want to read this to you, and then I think think I'll be done for the evening. Um, This is something uh, that came... Part of it came from a preacher, part of it came from me, because as I, learned, as I heard the preacher, I started writing my own stuff in. So, and I don't even remember what came out of them and what came out of me, so I'll just take credit for all of it. <laughs> they said, we are changed in his presence from glory to glory, and that glory will prepare us and make us sufficient for anything that we have to face or dress in our everyday life. Now, that's what Jesus did. He was our example of how to look, how to live. He was showing us how the new creature in Christ, what the life is to look like. Amen. Um, And he would spend time with his father because he was getting himself in a flow that he, he walked out sufficiently what that day called for. Um, When we're walking in the spirit, now, what's walking in the spirit? Yeah. Turning toward your spirit, letting what's in your spirit flow out and dominate. What about, and I'm not talking about being odd and weird and have one glazed eye, you know, and, and try to appear to be more anointed than we are type thing. I'm talking about the, the, the faith of God's in there. The life of God is in there. Uh, the fruit of the spirit is in there. The love of God. Uh, He's in there. The greater one is in there. When we're walking in the spirit, we're living, acknowledging the presence of God. 
Now look at that, acknowledge. What's that mean? Our attention goes to him. We turn our attention toward him. And when we're, let me start that again. When we're walking in the spirit, we're living, acknowledging the presence of God and his presence will keep us in a, prep, in a perpetual state of preparedness. We will always be prepared for what we're going to encounter that day when we are operating from that place in the spirit, the place of what he knows, the place of his wisdom is the place of his help. To live in a state of always being prepared no matter what comes, that is God making us the head and not the tail. He can only do that as we follow his spirit. It's not just that he puts us in the head, but he prepares us to be ahead. To be in front of situations. For him to make us the head, we had to listen to him every day. See, remember, you've heard me talk about in 2011 when the spirit of God said, all I want you doing is practicing peace. That was preparation to keep me in the right flow when grief and sorrow would be offered. Two, two years before Ed went home to be with the Lord, the Spirit of God was preparing. So um, for him to make us the head, we have to listen to him every day. To move with his instructions so that we are held in front of difficulties in crisis. Note the passage where Jacob went to sleep on a rock and he had a dream. One of the things that God said to him in the dream is, I will not leave you until I have done all that I said to you. Notice, until I have done all that I said to you. So notice, God's presence is there to perform what he said. We aren't the ones who have to perform what he says to us. Meaning the, the will of God. We have our obedience, but he's the one that brings it to pass. God is the one who will bring it to pass as we acknowledge and give place to his presence, relying on his ability to perform what he said. When Jacob woke up from, a dream, from the dream, he said, the presence of the Lord is here and I didn't even know it. So if we don't recognize him, know that he's with us which he is, then we won't acknowledge him. The, the key to walking in the spirit is acknowledging him. Drawing on that presence, leaning on it, and let his presence do the work for us, in us, and through us. We need his presence every day. Listen to this next phrase. A day without his presence is a day when we go back to the way we were. You know what I'm talking about the way we were. When things that you want, wanted to leave behind, they show back up. But a day in his presence is when we go forward into change and into what he made us to be. God is always present, but it makes the difference for us by acknowledging his presence. Acknowledging his presence is what makes life elevated and causes us to live aware of him rather than aware of the natural realm around us. Living this life while acknowledging the presence of God is what is the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life that's full of the power of God. 
The presence of God is everywhere, but it only comes into manifestation when we acknowledge it. Is that not right? The presence of God is always there, but that presence is not always in manifestation. It comes into manifestation only at our acknowledgement of it. The men who walked with God had a spiritual perception that they cultivated. Meaning this, they kept doing it. Can I say this? Uh, people who became skillful in prayer didn't start out that way. They just kept going and they just kept, they just kept going. And people who didn't, who are keen in following the spirit didn't start out that way. They just kept doing it. And even if they missed it, they just picked themselves up and just keep going. One of my favorite stories, one of my absolute favorite stories, most endearing to me is when mom Hagen and dad Hagen were staying with somebody that had been in their church previously and they had gone into their own ministry and the husband had left the ministry and gone into business and his business had thrived and he had become quite wealthy and mom and dad Hagen were in their city preaching meetings and they, they invited him to stay at their house and this woman who was hosting them pulled out her fur coat to show Mom Hagen. And you can understand she was excited. Nothing wrong with doing that. But Mom Hagen went into the bedroom and she started crying. And she said, I had to borrow the dress I'm wearing. I mean, they had nothing. And you can understand that that can wear on you after a while. And Brother Hagen said this to her. He said, honey, and one, one of the books he writes, he talks about, he said, you'll see what they sacrificed of God's plan for him to have that business. They walked away from their call for her to have that fur coat. But he said to Mom Hagen, he said, honey, I love this. I'm learning to follow the Spirit. And if you'll stick with me, one day you'll have a fur coat. And at the time he wrote this, he said, she has one for every day of the week. But for those who know the Hagans, she had multiples for every day of the week. I, I love how he didn't pick, a, pick apart himself and say, oh, I'm such a failure. My wife has, is wearing borrowed clothes. We're struggling. He just, he, I'm learning. Getting down on yourself never puts you in the right flow. You're learning. We're all learning. Quit. Quit focusing on what you're not skillful at and become skillful. How do you get skillful? You keep doing it. You keep doing it. And you keep doing it. This is what this is talking about. The men who walked with God had a spiritual perception that they cultivated. Every believer can have it if they'll cultivate it. Yes. How do you cultivate a spiritual perception? Every time there is a longing toward God, follow it. Sometimes you might be in the middle of doing something. All of a sudden, I have such a desire to read your Bible. That wasn't your flesh. Your flesh will never say, oh, I have such a desire to read my Bible. 
or you, somebody comes on your heart, that wasn't your great genius of a mind. Somebody asked Smith Wigglesworth, how did you become so skillful in the things of the Spirit? He said, every time the Spirit moved on me, I responded, and I kept responding, and I kept responding, I kept responding. He didn't talk about his genius or how smart he was. He just kept yielding. How do you cultivate a spiritual perception? Every time there is a longing toward God, follow it. Meaning this. You just respond and you yield to your spirit, yield to those drawings. That's how you cultivate a mindfulness of the presence of God and living in his presence. These men who walked with God cultivated a lifelong habit of spiritual response. Listen to that. A lifelong habit. A spiritual response. They kept responding to God throughout their whole life. They didn't have seasons where they stopped and started. But they put habits in place of responding to the drawings and the yearnings in them. Moses saw what his task from God was to be. But he knew his own inability to fulfill it. So Moses called out for the presence of God. Or he wouldn't go unless the presence of God went with him. Because he knew the only way. That was that which was in his heart could be fulfilled and that which God had said to him could be fulfilled was by living in God's presence. God's presence with him carrying out the plan. That's God's presence in us. We carry him to that place and he flows out. We carry him to that assignment and he flows out. It was the presence of God doing the work, not Moses himself. Now, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5, and we're almost finished. Are you good? Okay. It's still not midnight. We're good. Can I say this? Think about it. Um, God offers himself as our companion. He is in us, but I'm, he offers his presence. Why would we say, no, I just think I'll stick with my presence. That's not even sound thinking. If God offers himself to be our companion in this everyday life, And we go, hmm, too busy to acknowledge him. And can I say this? It's life in the spirit. It's not hours a day. It's acknowledging. It's just turning. It's acknowledging. Um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. The Amplified Classic, I'm going to read out of that translation. In the days of his flesh, meaning Jesus while he was on the earth, offered up definite special petitions for that which he not only wanted but needed and supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him out from death. Don't don't you know this, that through Jesus' earthly ministry, every day they're trying to kill him. We're not just talking about the cross. Every day. I mean, his, his first sermon in his hometown, they took him to a cliff to give him a good view. They intended to push him off the cliff. 
The, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders were always plotting to kill him. All around, God was saving him from death every day of his earthly ministry. Why? It wasn't time. They didn't choose. He chose. He chose his exit. So he said, who was always able to save him out from death? And he was heard... Listen, Jesus was heard because of his reverence toward God. Look at this. He was God, but he still carried a reverence for his father. Just him being God did not dismiss him from the flow of reverence. And he was heard because of his reverence toward God, his godly fear, his piety. Listen to this. In that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the father. Before Jesus was crucified, it was not the act of being crucified that, he, that was a horror to him. It was the three days he would be without his father's presence. That was the horror that he was having to deal with. He had never been without his father's presence. Yet so many Christians, we are content to not even acknowledge It's recorded as Jesus saw it as a horror. Why? Because he's left to a different flow than his father's flow. And we are offered. And we've been raised. What does that mean? That flow fits us. The higher flow fits us. That's why people become difficult to live with. I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about you because none of this means you. When people and marriages become hard and difficult to live with and anxious and edgy and hard to live with, why? They're living in a flow that doesn't fit them. Nothing fits. Everything seems foreign. When you belong to Christ, there is not, there's no person more miserable than a, black, a backslidden Christian. The sinner is not the most miserable person on the earth, and don't you think that it, they are? It's someone who had a taste of God, who has the nature of God and choosing to live outside that nature. That's the most miserable person in the earth. Amen. If Jesus shrank from the horror of separation from his father, what's that mean? He needed it and he, he needed the presence of God. How much more we need the presence of God. Amen. And, and I'm, don't, don't misunderstand me. He's in every one of us, but he can go completely unrecognized and completely unacknowledged and given no place in our daily life. And then we're left to live the troubled flow. But that's not what he offers us. So our homework assignment in 2024, the whole year long, is Isaiah 40. Verse 31. Amen? Amen? But they that wait upon the Lord, we are going to emphasize focusing on this spiritual skill, taking time to wait upon Him. Not saying we haven't, but I'm saying we're going to emphasize it. We're going to, as a church family, we're making it a point that we're all headed the same direction, that we're acknowledging Him throughout the day. We're practicing all throughout the day, turning toward Him. And if we realize, I haven't thought about it in half the day. I forgive, Father, forgive me, and I forgive myself. Now I turn back. Yes. 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 
Amen? Amen. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who is it that can run without weariness, walk without fainting? Those who have mounted up. And how do you mount up? Waiting on him. Now, what is God saying to us for 2024? Mounting up. Why? So we can run faster. Running faster. We, God never intends that we run faster from the lower place. That we mount up. That's the place where there's no weariness, no tiredness when it's in his presence and in that higher flow. Amen? Well, we have our homework assignment 2024. What is it? Mounting up. Why? So we can run faster. Why? Bringing our supply, keeping the pace of this last day harvest. Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your plan for this hour. We thank you for including us in. Father, we're not, we will not we will not dismiss ourselves from what you've already included us in on. We have a place, we have a role to play, we have a supply to bring, and Father, we have a plan to fulfill in our own individual lives. We have a plan in the life of this church to fulfill. We have a place in the body of Christ to occupy, and we take that place and we fulfill that race, not just from our natural ability, but from that place of walking, living mindful of your presence. Father, we make it our emphasis and we consecrate ourselves to you this year, especially to pay attention to acknowledging you, turning our attention toward our spirit and the greater one who abides within, that we occupy the flow that you offer us, that highest flow. And we thank you, Father, that in that flow is where the miracles are. In that glory flow is where all the victory is that you've already made ours. In that flow is what my husband talked about in the wave. He saw the wave and all the supply, all the provision for the last day revival was in that wave. That's the flow we're talking about. So we thank you, Father, for all that our life has need of is in that higher place that you've offered us, the place of your glory. And so we say this isn't just a place, a, thing, a, a place for preachers to occupy. It's for our everyday life. And we take our place. We take our place in your presence. We take our place living mindful of that which you have purchased for us to occupy. And we give you glory and honor. And everybody said, so what is it, 2024? Mounting up. Why? So we can run faster. Amen. Producing more fruit and running faster without weariness. Amen. That we get stronger in the going. We get stronger in the running. Amen. Well, we want to remind you, come over and have some time of fellowship with us next door. And uh, the food's already over there, right? We're going to pray over it. Is that what I'm to do? We, look at that. We, we're, we're prepared. We're going to go over there all prayed up, ready to eat. Amen. Father, we thank you for these precious people. We thank you for this congregation. Father, we're so glad we're family. We're so glad we're part of the body of Christ. And tonight, as we enjoy particularly this time together, and Father, we thank you for 
all the provision that you've made so rich. And we, we call the food that we're going to partake of as a church family, we call it blessed in Jesus' name. And we say we're mounting up to run faster in 2024. And everybody said amen. Turn to somebody before you're dismissed and say we're going there. And you can be dismissed. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.